Hi, I'm Vince Irushi. And I'm Stephen A. And this is the Assign It To Me podcast. This show is a weekly discussion about our application, Assign It To Me, which is a web-based project management tool for professional services companies that are looking for an easier and effective way to manage their projects. We discuss topics like project management, analytics, and any interesting and noteworthy news and technology. You can catch our show notes for these podcasts at blog.assignittome.com. Happy New Year. It's, well, yeah. uh, it's, it's um, New Year, isn't it? Today. A Chinese New Year. You're the hose. I mean horse. Horse. <laughs> so that's a lunar New Year's, right? Um, yeah, it's a lunar calendar. Yeah, that's I don't I know have. much about. I'm not very... Uh, Come on, you're Asian. You're supposed to know that stuff. (laughs) No, I'm Asian. I'm supposed to know math. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Supposed to be good at assembling small electronics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yes. Yes. I have a little sweatshop uh, in uh, the back room of my house where I assemble iPads for uh, (laughs) Apple on contract. Anyways, it's um, lunar, I guess, through a moon fest. That's what they call it, moon festival. Um, The moon festival is something else. They have a lunar, a moon festival. Yeah, every time there's a full moon, I think Chinese people celebrate. Oh, that's all right. Okay. You know. We we celebrate uh, with the Italians when they, they make wine. Mm-hmm. They celebrate when it's the next full moon because, or two, I think it's the next full oh. moon. Because that's when they say it's a good time to oh. uh, filter the wine. So oh, you see what we're thinking about. Wow. Well, <laughs> anyway. Werewolves. Yeah. Like the full moon. Lunatics like the full moon. I guess that's where the word lunatic comes from, right? Because the first part of the word lunatic is loon. That's right. Right. Yeah, howling at the moon. So, uh, I'll talk about, I don't know about if you heard today, Yahoo's email got it was hacked. yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. They reset. I didn't get a reset notice. You use uh, Yahoo? I have a legacy Yahoo account that was my first non-ISP email. And by non-ISP email, you know how when you right. sign up for internet, you usually yeah. get that one. I stopped using that a long time ago because I change ISPs regularly. The only thing is, you got to make sure that you don't have any emails in there that I periodically check it, but clean it most out, people right? know that I don't. I'm not best contacted that yeah. way. I don't know if you still have any like legacy Hotmail accounts or anything. Uh, yeah, I might have it. I should probably go in and just clean them out or shut them down. Or you know, uh, the funniest thing about well, Yahoo's mail is not as good as Google because Google has the best spam filters. Right, and I get a lot of Hispanic and Asian spam in my Yahoo mail account. Oh, do you? Yes, a lot. Every, it's either in Spanish or it's got these funky Chinese characters that I don't. Also, don't know how to read Chinese. I'm not yeah. a very good Chinese person. Well, uh, I'm just reading here. It's uh, Yahoo just rolled out the you know 2048 bit SSL encryption for Yahoo Mail, but this was a third party database, from what I understand. Um, I didn't read the details. Yeah. I saw it. I didn't get a password reset notice, so I kind of ignored the rest of it. Oh, okay. Which is probably lazy on my behalf, but. Yeah. Okay. And um, this weekend is Super Bowl weekend. Yahoo! Yeah. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> so we have uh, the Broncos versus the Seahawks. Seattle. Seahawks. Tell you that, Crabtree. <laughs> he get out of my face. <laughs> I don't know anything about football except I saw this clip of this guy who is apparently a smart guy who can't control his temper. Um, uh, Sherman, Richard Sherman, is that the guy's name? Yeah, football is. Oh, that's a guy. He's a Stanford oh, yeah. grad. He, you he, know what? He, he's he's apparently a really smart guy. You know what it is? When I see stuff like that, um, I just dismiss it because uh, I play football. It's marketing. And, well, he's 
what it is is football is a very emotional game. Very, mm-hmm. you got to get worked. Oh, up. every sport is emotional. Oh yeah, but football when you see is, guys hitting right? with lives showing up at a stadium painted green and wearing cheese on their heads <laughs> for something that is a business right. that is designed to be entertainment, there is something wrong about that industry yeah, and that is. that mentality. I mean, well, seriously, you you can get beat up for wearing a Mets hat. In certain parts of oh, New York, yeah. why? Well, soccer is the why? same way. It's just, it's just, it's just entertainment. It's a company. The Yankees are a company. People love their who teams. Who want your money? People love their teams. Whether it's football, <laughs> hockey, baseball, soccer, they just they'll lose their minds, right? It's just entertainment. They're like lunatics. They're fan- fanatics. Yeah. Speaking right? of full thing. moons, yeah. well, I got so. a full moon for those people. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm Asian, <laughs> so it's not that full, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, what else? What else? Well, I heard some stats today. I was watching the news and they said they're going to have like a billion chicken wings. I didn't know. I heard there was going to be a Velveeta shortage, although I think that's a manufactured news story to make people buy Velveeta. I didn't know there was that many chickens. We bought chicken wings for, um, we don't watch the game, but we have a, a Super Bowl themed dinner every Super Bowl Sunday. Right. So we're going to watch, I don't know, whatever else is on TV. Yeah. And eat, eat. Football food, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's go on uh, to the blog posts, and um, this one this one I put up because we actually you, you sent it the other day, and uh, I thought it was really interesting and fascinating, and it's uh, it's how it, the title of it is how I lost my fifty thousand dollar Twitter name. Yes, he wasn't going to sell it for fifty thousand. So well, um, he, he got it. Somebody maybe offered him. It was valued because at fifty thousand dollars, because some guy had offered him fifty thousand dollars for his name. Right. So this guy, so the had, domain, the domain name was just N. It was just an no. O- there's no his Twitter name. Oh, the Twitter name, just a letter N. Yeah, because he was one of the early guys. Right. In, so basically, in a nutshell, this guy was one of the early Twitter users. Had a a one letter name. Um, and these guys found out who he was and then went into, uh, look, Googled him basically found out he owned a few domains and then socially engineered and by socially engineer impersonated someone on the phone, crazy story, uh, called GoDaddy and, uh, PayPal got last four digits of his credit card. And, you know, this kind of information is available. Like, you know, some guy waiting for you to throw out your bills can get that because, in Canada, at least, any receipt you have usually has the last four digits of your card. So that should not be a security uh, piece of knowledge used to get information. So I, if I if I lived next door to this guy and I knew he had that domain name, I could Twitter just rummage name. or Twitter name. Sorry, I could just rummage through his garbage and yeah, I could have. Yes. Yeah. Well, you don't even need to do that. Usually, people I see people throw away their ATM slips, just leave them there by the ATM. Yeah. You know, or they get a bill at. Longos, uh, and that was not a paid endorsement. It just happens <laughs> yeah. to be where I get my groceries. You know, throw their bill, uh, leave their bill. You know, at the end of the conveyor belt. You know, you just grab it. There's four digits. You yeah. know, you may yeah. not know the guy's name, but you could figure. You know, now, if you did know the guy, why are those four digits important? Because that's this- how they got access to GoDaddy, which gave up uh, his domain. And then, basically, the guy, the hacker, blackmailed him, saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna." destroy your your email because he basically at that point redirected all future email to himself right so he could have basically sent pass just signed up with that email that i forgot my password on every single site get an email reset basically destroyed the guy's online presence so really there's 
well, there's three bad guys in this, really. Well, there's, there, there, there's the one bad it. guy and a bunch of idiots. A bunch of idiots, right. But these idiots are people <laughs> that that you typically trust and pay to protect your information. Right. So the bad guy goes to PayPal and says, I need to, or, or I need to change my, or I need to get my, my last three digits. Yeah, I lost digits, my wallet, right? blah, 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 blah. They give him the information. Then they Sob go to, story. So they go to, then he goes to GoDaddy and he says, I need to get into my account. And they say, what are the last four digits of your credit card? Yes. He gives them the last four digits and then they reset his password for him or, most people have that's, a, that's crazy. a misperception of hacking. They think some guy can just, you know, like do a couple of things. And, and that is the case. Uh, you can get improper access to stuff. Like Target was done with a SQL injection. Right. right. And that was 10 million credit cards. But in most cases, a lot of the first stage of a malicious hack is to social engineers to make phone calls and and get pretend to be someone else and get information right and it's right. the oldest school trick in the book i mean i've read in the newspaper some lady in toronto got bilked out of ten, more than ten twenty thousand dollars or something because uh, someone called her pretending to be the lawyer of her son uh and saying that her son was in trouble and to western union the money right yeah and she did and so um, people people have a natural assumption that when you're talking to someone else on the phone, they're, they're being honest with you. And uh, hackers know that. So the first line of attack is usually what they call a social engineering attempt. Yeah, you would, I, you have to, I think you have to be more careful. And, and but the companies do, should know about social but engineering. What it does, it makes you more cynical because I'm talking to some guy here, and the guy on the other end of the line could be a perfectly good guy, but I have to have my guard up all the time. Everything yeah. I do. Well, I usually just say flat out, sorry, I'm not giving you any information over the phone. Right. And I'm not giving you any information at the door. Because, you know, these like uh, the door knockers in Ontario who are trying to get you to switch your gas companies ask you for your utility bill. But if you think about it, your utility bill... Got a lot of info on it. ...can get you um, into the election booth without ID for voting if you don't have photo ID. Oh, right. Right. And these guys and, could stack the... Uh, and these guys will wear these badges with a photo on them. Um, and they would start asking you for stuff. And I and I always say, I'm not giving you anything. I'm not showing you anything. And they get like... they, they, they I think they're trained to act with authority. See my ID? I go, I can right. print that on my computer <laughs> right now and walk that's, around and do the exact same that's thing. Right. That's right? You, right. How stupid do you think I am? And it's like, unless you're a cop, I'm not giving you anything. Right. 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 Because um, those guys are trained to socially engineer you. Yeah. Right. Like the, the gas, it's usually for gas or electricity. And most people don't know that there's also a, uh, is it a seven or 14 day cooling off period with purchases done at the door? Because people used to do the hard sell with yeah, vacuum cleaners. Yeah. Right. So they have consumer protection laws in Canada for that. But socially engineering is the easiest way to get stuff out of people. Right. Right. Because most people just assume that the other guy's honest. And, you know, if the guy's wearing like a ID badge with a photo that looks like it's from consumers gas or whatever. Because I always tell my dad, say no, don't say anything. Because my dad's a senior citizen and, you know, he's not necessarily thinking. Yeah. Like, just get a piece of paper. That way you can go to their website or whatever. Phone them up. Check that the phone number is legitimate and then make your decision. I never yeah. 
I never do anything you know on the door. I get a lot of calls. Phone. I've got a lot of calls. I get more and more calls, and I get a lot of free stuff. Micro, like, you got one from Microsoft. Oh, Mike, those guys, that guy called me three days in a row. And the third time, I, I said, listen, yeah, I've got, I've got two versions of Microsoft. He goes, really? Oh, okay. Can you give me the uh, info? I go, well, you got me registered. You called me my home. You must have my information. Why don't you just do it? Oh, no, I need this, 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 and this. And I just kept them on. I'm trying to get whatever information. I want to see how these yeah, guys, what yeah. their MO is, right? And then finally I said, listen, buddy, you know what? I'm not giving you any information. This this sounds like a scam to me. I know it's a scam. I've read a lot of stuff. Click immediately, right away. And, <laughs> and See, I, I wish I would have just, I would have I I taken a different approach. I would have gave them fake information and kept leading them on and leading them on. I don't know if you, if you look up. So the big one, which is still working amazingly after 10 years, is the Nigerian... I think they call it a 419 scam or something like yeah, that yeah. where like some Nigerian diplomat needs has lost access to his money. And if you give him 500 bucks, he'll give you a share of like a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. People still fall for these things. Right. Um, and there are stories of people who socially engineer the social engineers. Uh, if you look them up online and they like, they, they screw around with these guys, make them spend money and all sorts of stuff. It's, <laughs> It's pretty hilarious, right? Yeah. Next time he asks for my uh, my email, I'm gonna s- or whatever, I'm gonna say it's b i t e at m e dot com, something like that, or I don't know. But there are stories of guys who have been scanned by these Nigerian uh, for I don't remember the number. There's a number associated yeah. with who have you know showed up to like airports, like in France, to meet up with these guys and got the paste beaten out of them yeah. by these criminals, right? It, well, if, if something is sounds too good to be true, it usually well, is. You know what? I, I'm, you know, you want a free trip. You've done that. They call me steady. Yeah. And and they'll say, well, you know, you got stuff free. I go, I don't want it. <laughs> what? Why? It's free. It's Why? Free. I don't want it. You know what? I feel guilty getting free stuff. I need to work for my stuff. Uh, so I just tell them some crap. Just, just they're just surprised that I just don't even want to hear about. One it. guy, one guy decided to to screw around with me and I, on that, and he he just started whining. And it's like, no, I'm not interested. Why? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. Why? <laughs> so he made me hang up on him because usually I'm the one screwing around with them. But yeah, but yeah. He, he turned the tables on me and just did something I totally didn't expect by just going, why? Every response was, why? Well, lately, lately I get the call too. And there's a, there's like a two-second delay before they pick up. They must There's a machine. No, there's calling. a machine that, a robo-dialer. Right. And then um, it would... There's in the U.S. there are laws against that, right? I think right. in Canada too. Well, I just hang up. There's, there's not, a two second delay. I hang up immediately because they're right? supposed to come on the phone immediately. But uh, the the number of active people on the queue is too high for the, or at least the number of people they have in their call center is too high for the number of open lines, which <laughs> is dumb. You just figure when the guy finishes a call, make a call, right? Yeah, but exactly. they, they actually queue up these calls. It's 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 ridiculous. But I don't. I don't have to deal with that except on my cell phone these days. So. Yeah. yeah. So this guy basically had to, he had to give up that do, that uh, he gave Twitter up his name, name. Yeah. To get access back to his email and all his other accounts because he had websites and everything. Yeah. He had to do it. So. Well, Twitter knows about it. So N has been suspended now. The guy who yeah got it now, has is it been suspended. Is it illegal to do that? Do you think it's? It doesn't well, seem that's like extortion. He's breaking, it is. It's fraud, I guess. It's fraud and yeah. extortion. Yeah. And hacking. Yeah. All right. It's a it's a whole bunch of crimes, but most of these guys perpetrating the crimes aren't in North America. They're in like some country with backwards extradition laws. Right. Right. 
That's yeah, right. There's, usually Russia, China, or no India. Right? There's no yeah, boundaries, right? You know, it's just yeah. like, okay, I signed up for the do not call list. Well, that doesn't really help me when most of the calls are coming off of like India. Skype outs and stuff out yeah. of India and you know, nothing can be done about those people. Right. And what right. they do is they just get the do not call lists and call the do not call list. Yeah. So seems like the theme of our of the day today is scammers. Scammers, yeah, there's a lot of scammers. Um, and even our topic is well, yeah, I better not get into that. Uh, <laughs> let's let's go on a on a good note. Let's talk about uh, well, it's an Apple. interesting read. So it the is, link yeah. is on the blog and in the show notes. So yeah, I just actually, you know what, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of the, the way the guy got into his account, I thought it was kind of cool. And oh yeah, oh the good thing about it was but it's bad. You know, the good but, thing, unlike most stories, the good thing was it got the hacker. Um, said, okay, if you, you know, after you give me what I'm asking for, I'll actually tell you how I did everything so you can prevent it again, which was surprisingly generous of the, of the, nice of the criminal. He's a nice yeah. Hacker. He's, he's a, he's a, he's like, uh, he's like, you know, pretty woman, you know, like the, the hooker with the heart of gold. He's yeah, a hacker. Right. He's a hacker with the heart of gold. Hacker with the heart of gold. <laughs> that should be the name of our, uh, okay, there we go. Hacker with the heart, <laughs> of, gold. With the heart of gold. Anyway, um, let's go on to something good. Uh, Apple 30 years of Mac. Uh, there's a video that that I watched and and you posted that, um, so I, I know it makes it was, me feel old. My first Mac was 1987. Yeah, I don't the like Macintosh that post SE. you put either. So <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm not as old as Vince, but it's true. It's true, right? And it's always going to be true, thankfully. <laughs> you know what? That's right. And and I'm going to accept that, and I'm cool with it. So that's fine. <laughs> I got some friends that haven't didn't even make the age of 30, so uh, I got that going for me. So it's a nice it's a nice um, view. Uh, it, they talk about Apple and different people and how it's it's shaped industry and mainly how it's shaped design and art and and that type of area. But uh, different people talk about how it affects their, their their industries. And I remember seeing the first little no, I thought at first I thought it was a coffee maker or something. It looks like, like a to- looked yeah, like a, toy. a toaster. I thought it was a toaster or something. It was, and I almost I looked at it. I go, well, I, I'm not going to take that thing serious, right? And I'm working off obviously my PC and. Uh, then I jumped on it and I thought it was the coolest thing. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, because the laser printer came out around that time I had it. Yeah. Me and uh, one of my other Mac friends would be writing essays and going to like uh, there'd be service bureaus by University of Toronto. So you could get uh, laser prints like at 10, 15 cents a page. So we'd, we'd take the bus downtown, uh, get our essays laser printed, and they would just look a million times better than everyone and. I'll be honest. My high school teachers back then, at least, were were easily impressed by the effort over the content. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. so presentations better. Right? So you know, by having like this, and this, you know, laser printers were five, six, seven thousand dollars at that time, right? Not like the three hundred dollars they are now, or a hundred. Actually, they're under a hundred bucks now. But right, um, to to be able to do that was, you know. I'm sure it got me a few extra percentage points here and there on my on my marks. Better than those dot matrix. I remember yeah. when I first went in, uh, our our lab was so cold. They kept it at like a 60 degrees because they had all these computers and yeah. print. And all you hear was bzz, bzz, bzz. Yeah. There was like 20 printers in there going crazy. Well, I knew people who were making <laughs> fake IDs with laser printers before people knew about laser printers. So right. they would make like these fake uh, university IDs. This was like 87... Right by '89, uh, people had gotten savvy to them. Right. So, right. but because you could not make anything that looked that real, right, back then. Right. So, um, 
Okay, so let's go to off off to our topic. Um, oh, we got Bill Gates too, right? Oh, you know what? I need to refresh my. Um, come on, Vince. Come on. There's Bill Gates. Okay, so uh, tell me about Bill Gates. Who is that guy? Bill anyway. Gates. Uh, he's the anti Steve Jobs, I guess. Steve Jobs gets all the glory. Yeah. And uh, but I'm telling you, Bill Gates does a lot. Well, Bill Gates gets all my respect. He yeah. wrote an article uh, about the three myths of poverty, which is a, I haven't read the whole thing, but it's an interesting read from the bits that I have seen so far. Um, but uh, one of the things he talks about is uh, how, well, I think in particular in America, there's this perception that you shouldn't help the poor because they're never going to get out of that that. They got to do it themselves. But right. uh, one of the, his examples was Mexico City. He, when he had visited in the 80s, it was all slums. And today, it's a bustling metropolis, uh, right. cosmopolitan city. Right. And that... Uh, if you think about it, nobody in the world needs to be poor. Really. No. They, they don't well, need to be, right? <laughs> um, well, you know... If, if we all put our minds to it, but... They're, they're, it, it is what it is. Is people are... I've seen this new concept talking about... Countries giving everyone in that country a minimum income, like from the tax, from the the coffers of the country. Right. Like, so every person gets a base income from the country, from their tax dollars of like $11,000 or something. Right. And then you work and you augment that. And I thought that was, like, I read the arguments for it. It's an interesting idea. But you know what the problem is? Nobody needs to be poor. The problem is there are... Nobody wants to share. There are a lot of people that contribute in a big way to society and then there's a big chunk chunk of people that just draw from society yes now if everybody the takers, like right. the, the, the americans like to call the takers right now if everybody contributed to society in any way that they can in, in a positive way rather or contribute more i should put it this way contribute more than they they draw then Nobody needs to be poor. Yeah. Really. I don't want to pick on McDonald's, but McDonald's and Walmart are two classic examples, right? Yeah. My wife um, says, she asked me about the, this minimum wage in the U.S. and Canada, and I said, raise it. Because when you raise it, there's more money. There's more people spending money. I can put money. my Fox News hat. But where do we stop? $100,000 an hour? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And you, you know what? I don't know if you've seen John Stewart, but they're, they've actually said that. Where do we stop? $100,000 an hour? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing um, data and reports for companies. And I see, you know, million-dollar bonuses going out. Yes. Right? Because it's year-end, and I just did a report, and I see a million-dollar bonus out, and then I see these other people that don't get raises. You know, they don't see the financials like I do because I'm working with the data, and I'm not going to mention any any companies, but, um, you know, there's something wrong there. Well, it's... Take some of that money and give it to... and raise the minimum wage. So there's profitable companies. They need to... To make sure that there wasn't there a statistic that came out in the last week or two that the <laughs> top 150 people in wealth in the world make more than 80 percent of the countries. That's right. Something yes. like that. Yeah. And it's a very the actually, gap is the top, spreading. No, it was on John Stewart. It was a top 80 or top 100. Yeah, it was a small, very small number. Right. Were people making more than countries? Yes. Yes, I saw that. But. Uh, this mentality, I mean, is that I work hard, I can, you know, earn a living. But the thing is, uh, you know, McDonald's got a lot of bad press recently for having uh, this internal website to tell you how to how to juggle two jobs so that you can you can actually survive right. off of their income. Yeah, and it's kind of alarming um, when 
someone is working for you full time and can't pay their rent and eat. And yet you are declaring all of these profits. And, you know, you buy a new you buy a new Jag and you pull up to your business. Yeah, because right? Costco, uh, there's 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 two companies that are used as examples. Costco is one of them. Costco pays extremely well. They give their everyone their benefits. They're still making money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're an example of what can happen. Right. 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 Um, there's another company that's like Walmart in the U.S., and they, they do the exact same thing. I can't remember the name. It's like a regional chain. Right. And they're still making money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But here's the problem, especially in the U.S., is that there's this huge emphasis on the corporation as a person. Yeah, right? it's capitalist, right? Um, you know what? No, well, you don't wanna, well you don't be that's totally not capitalism. Yeah. Corporation as a person. That, that the Supreme Court of the U.S. has declared that, that the as corporation has the same entity. rights as a person. Yet... Um, it's not really true because they never close down corporations that, uh, they never get, go to jail. They just get like these slap on the wrist financial things. Like look at Lac Megantique, they- right? You remember the, a town got vaporized right. because of the, you know, the train, the, the railway thing. So right. all they did was declare bankruptcy so that they don't have to pay out. You know their liabilities and, sh- and start up as another company. Yeah, right? or the or there somewhere in the south, um, there was like tons of toxic, toxic stuff went into the water. Um, that's been in the news lately. I don't remember where it is, but somewhere somewhere in the U.S. Right. So they declared bankruptcy, right. too, and nobody's going to go to jail. The company can't go to jail, right? Usually the argument is we never put companies to jail because there are thousands of, of jobs on the line. Right, uh, then don't trade them like a an individual, then. But right? you know, so. look at look at what Enron did. Remember the rolling blackouts in California? That was all a scam. Right. That was like totally fake. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that that's why you know I have no problems with capitalism. Capitalism is good, right? Because free market is good, right? right. Because it it prevents um, subsidizing industries that shouldn't survive. Right. 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 But you know, I think it, it sometimes goes too far in. And in the U.S., for a purely capitalist country, they have these remarkably weird laws that are not capitalist. They're actually very nanny state, especially in the areas of copyright. Right. Um, Patent laws. Right. Those aren't pro-business. They're pro-big business. That's right. Right? Because you look at some of the lawsuits that have been going on – the thing with software patents in particular is that you and I can come up with an idea and write a piece, you know, like you could, you figure out how to write it in code right. in no time, yeah. right? But because someone came up with the idea, didn't execute it, and patented it first, you're screwed over, right? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I don't know. I, I don't want to go into anti-corporate. I'm actually a capitalist, but yeah. there are elements that I don't like about where yeah. where, where we are. But Yeah, it's, there's no perfect, perfect design or model, but, I guess, for the any country but so. i really admire what bill gates assumed to be former chairman of microsoft uh i saw i saw something on 60 doing. minutes and he was he's over in some third world country um you know africa yeah and, he's trying to eliminate malaria yeah so the problem is these um these drugs these injectables go bad and it's hot there yes they don't have any fridges they don't have any any anything to keep these 
drugs from spoiling. Well, the thing that he's pushing in Africa are malaria nets because they're inexpensive solutions. Right. And they work. So he's come up with these tubes where you put the drugs in. And uh, the technology, I don't know the technology. I have to look it up. But what it does, it keeps the drugs at the right um, temperature. temperature. And I don't know what kind of technology it is. I don't know how it works, but I thought it was amazing. And, and, and it's it's way out there. And And that's... You know, now he's using technology to help for, people for good things, right? For well, he, he's using his wealth, like, because I think he's part of this alliance with uh, Warren Buffett to basically spend all they of their the $500 million club. Or, yeah, they spend all of their money on um, charities Tesla's and helping the world. And that too. So there's a group of them. To be in this club, you have to you have to donate $500 million. And it, well, and the, the goal is, is that put aside whatever you want for your family and then spend the rest on on um, charitable things. Right, right. Which, to me, is quite admirable. Right. You saw the 60 Minutes one, but the, I think it was Leslie Stahl or whatever was talking. Was, she was saying, they were showing it the good side, but then there's some other sides they were saying, okay, are you creating like a club that, you know, well, that's, that's powerful that can kind of do things well, in a certain way, right? I know, probably trying to be a journalist. Just, just, just compare them to people like the Koch brothers. Right, who are spending all of their money on these super PACs in the U.S. to to ensure that the politicians they want get in office, so that you know, because there's always a gravy train with every politician. Right? Yeah, right, right. So they spend fortunes on spreading lies about politicians, you know, because they can get away with it. Right, right. And um, you know, when you compare it to you know, we look at Bill Gates and all that, what he's doing. You know, it's much easier to admire what he's doing, even though, you know, 20 years ago, you might have hated him because uh, Microsoft was behaving like a monopoly. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so that's it for Bill Gates. Um, we like him. Yeah, we like him. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't hate really a lot of people, but... Um, oh, I, let's, hate, I hate tons of people. <laughs> let's go on I to... I hate tons of people. Oh, hate, hate's a hard word. It's a strong word. It's a waste of energy. You are. No, I don't really hate people then. Indifferent, maybe uh, to people. I don't like a lot of people. <laughs> That's right. Don't like is better. Yes. Yeah. I don't like people who throw eggs on people's houses. Oh, <laughs> don't even get me started on that one. Or, oh. or I don't. I also don't like people who who tell people to take them seriously. <laughs> yeah, and then, <laughs> mind you, the person I'm talking about, I actually do think is talented, and I do think is an artist, but. He's a he's a total wanker. Oh, I'm gonna snap. Okay, let's move on to the topic. Uh, the main topic: grappling. Well, I came up with this: grappling with overcomplex data warehousing and reporting solutions. So we're talking about these some of these mega, um, mega bi giga. No, no, giga. no, Terra, Terra. Now, Penta, 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 We've we've worked with these companies. Um, you know what? They've got their uses. They're they're good in certain situations. Um, but uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, maybe the the banks, the insurance companies. They love products like um, the Oracle Business Intelligence software or the Cognos, IBM um, reporting solutions. But we found that a lot of the companies that we work with are small and midsize, even midsize, even like the hundred million dollar companies. They struggle with software like this, and 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 why is it? And and it's probably. Um, uh, let me tell you a story. There's one client I'm working at, and 
yeah, they see Cognos and, and it sells well and they say, wow, it's great and it's very sophisticated and we like it, we'll buy it. Bang, we, they spent X amount of dollars on software. Now, yeah, uh, actually, there would be like five or six X's right. in that amount. Right. So <laughs> Closer to six, I would think. Yeah, yeah. So when they go and we, we demo it and we're just dragging, you know, the, the columns into the into the the tool and up comes the data and, and it looks great and anybody can do this. <clears throat> when it co- comes time to implement a solution, it works great in a demo. When it comes to time to <laughs> implement the, dilution, the solution, what happens is uh, the users cannot be enabled to do it themselves. They, they need to rely on, um, you know, tech-savvy type of people that, that know databases, that know um, relationship between the data, that know how to prepare the data for reporting, make sure the performance is good and the quality is good and is presented in a certain way. And um, I found in this, uh, even though, you know, we, we, had a, we had it set up, there was a mentoring type of thing going on. The problem is the person, the people that were being mentored have other tasks to do and, and didn't focus or dedicate on, on, on the solution and couldn't really, and I feel bad, right? Because, you know, it's a good solution. It's doing good things. But every time they need something fixed or changed at that level below where they go and create their reports and, and design the reports themselves or just drag and drop, uh, the technical stuff, uh, it's just, they just can't do it or they struggle with it. And um, um, I, I tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. Even I struggle with it. So I go and I create a report and I get some crazy message, a CES underscore member, blah, blah, blah. And it's just all encoded. Why does it do that? Right? So I go and I change it and I back up and, so now I'm spending the next 15 to 30 minutes trying to figure out why this message is popping up. Sometimes I get frustrated and I just try a different approach. So it's not, they're not easy to use. And, and I don't know if it's just getting more and more complex or, um, you know, this, you know, there's got to be an easier way. Right. So, so you know me, right? You've known me a while. I'm one of those guys who likes to deconstruct things and, to find the root causes of things, right? Yeah. yeah. So always coming up. Here's my perspective on why this happens. It really comes down to human nature. So you're Joe customer, right? And I'm Joe enterprise. No, no, I'm not Joe. I'm James enterprise software salesperson. Right. For me to close the deal, I need to sell you a dream. And that dream is, oh, look at this. I spend all this money on the software and I can do these things myself. But I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just thinking, oh, that's a great sounding dream, Joe Customer. Um, you know, my guys can do whatever. And I'm, for, I'm not thinking about it because it's, I'm just, you know, when you're in a meeting, you're focused on what's being communicated to you, right? You're not taking a step back. So you walk away maybe a couple days later, you know, you know what? Uh, Bob, Mary... Gary, they have jobs to do, right? right. They have right. jobs that eat up all 40 hours of their week. But I'm not necessarily thinking about that because I just think, oh, this tool will help us do X, Y, and Z, or Z if you're American. Right. But uh, see, it's this dream that you're being sold. And um, 
once you've paid for the the dream, uh, you get smacked in the face with reality. Right. All right. So I, it's it's just how sales for this kind of stuff works. So, um, and I, I guess that's how sales for just about anything really works. Yeah. But it, you are really well, sold a dream. I remember going into the, you are getting sold a dream. And, and they used to use words like, oh, it's got to be sexy and it's got to be, uh, it's got to be pixel perfect. You hate that, right? However, the dream, the reality is, you have the dream, but the reality is um, sometimes you just need your reports and you need them quick and you need them to work. Uh, I don't care whether it does this and this and this. Um, the thing is, I need to make a decision off a piece of information, right? Yeah, because stuff I, that looks easy um, is usually only easy for easy tasks. Because like you say, when we talk about these expensive tools, the guy comes in, does a demo, and he's just dragging and dropping right. these things. And it's like, oh, wow, that's easy. There's a lot of stuff going on in but the But it's back. really not the case. No, well, it's just uh, he's also... Te- demoing an easy example right, right once you get into to more complicated requirements it's not as simple as dragging and dropping and the dragging and dropping makes you think that um your untrained people can pick it up very easily right right but it's it's actually a very complicated situation because uh if your people are already busy on um, what their current job is and this is not going to save them real time they're not going to want to use the system they're just going why are you get creating more work for me and not paying me more yeah right if you do train the guys on them and they realize that knowing the tool is worth more than their current skill set they're going to leave your company and take a job becoming an expert at whatever right tool you just bought i find that some of these tools yeah i know what you're saying And if you're a real expert the dragging and dropping will slow you down yeah I believe that. I think I think uh, you said it one time. Is is sometimes these companies try to do everything for everyone. Oh well, right? I mean, yeah, that's why people hate Office, right? Right. So the uh, you know, so we go and build out this framework and um and all this metadata layer, and then we need to make a change or we need something changed. Uh, so we do that, and uh, you know, on Tuesday morning when the schedule reports are supposed to run, most of them break. So there's a lot of interdependencies. Uh, so I have to ask you. We, 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 we have safeguards. So I had, to, I had to build like two or three layers of, of safeguards, of, of development layers to test it. And we had the regression test when we had to, to put the, the information, the, the changes in into production. So it was, it was um, you know, it's, it's just the way it is, right? Just the way the situation yeah, was. I have to ask you because you've been more entrenched in the traditional BI world than I am. Right, and I have to ask you, why is a meta layer, metadata layer important? Because, from my perspective, coming from a slightly different one, I don't really care about that, because I usually always looked at at the way to solve the problem was, okay, give me your requirements, and I'll just give you your report. That metadata layer has no value to me, um, because I'm just going to write specific solutions to solve your problem. Yeah, you know what? In the old days, they used to have what's what was called a data cube. And everyone was yeah. dis- well. They still do those. Though I thought that was the greatest thing. So then they try to get smart and say, "Oh, we're going to give you an ad hoc style tool, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to build your own requ- reports." However, what's defined in the metadata? So it's supposed to be like all your business rules, and you're going to change uh, a column or a field that says uh, A B C nine two to customer number. You know? Yeah. Okay. 
that can be done. That can easily be done um, without the metadata. Without layer. the metadata layer, right? Exactly. Uh, what they're trying to do is they're trying to sell you a dream. Sell you a dream, and, and that you, you can do it yourself. When you put all that, and that you have time to do it right. yourself. <laughs> so the problem was we had, um, and I always have to use this. Uh, they say, okay, well, we got the metadata later, but this department sees um, gross margin uh, is calculated this way, and that department does it this way, and that department. So you got five different ways to calculate gross margins with freight, without freight, with discounts, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So now you got to build those all in to your to your. So then it gets confusing. So there's there's got to be a trade off, right? So now if I just build one report for marketing and I build one for for finance and I build one for sales, uh, then they get what they need, right? Yes. So uh, I think sometimes it's just that 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 whole metadata layer is. Is just a way to say, hey, you know, the regular user can create their own reports. Yeah, because but a I, lot of times, and we talk about it, 80% of the times, they don't even want to create their own yes. reports, right? They just say, let the Cognos guy create the reports. Because I don't know if you notice that whenever we talk about this topic, I never say the word metadata layer, but you always do. Because that's it's the because, buzzword. No, no, it's because you, you, I think you've been entrenched in the business, and that's one of those things that you always sell to the customer. Right. Because... In the in our old way of thinking, um, you had to do it, right? You can't you can't not do it because right. um, let's be honest, we both our old world is the word the word cognos is the one that should come up, and to do the metadata layer, you can't if you don't do the metadata layer, you can't do anything because that's what framework is for. You can't you can't but, do anything. But in this new world, you know there is no framework manager. Our data warehouse has no metadata layer. It's just a bunch I'm of scripts. I'm thinking, you know what? I'm thinking. I'm looking. At, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a direct, direct um, example. So the client I'm working with now, they all work with Excel. Mm-hmm. All of them. The problem is, the biggest problem is preparing these reports every week. They spend mm-hmm. five, six hours every week, and they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So now, because there's hum- so much human right. intervention with Excel. So now I'm gonna show you the Cognos way, and I'm gonna show you, I guess, our, our way that we're gonna do it uh, in the future. The Cognos way is. Okay, let's model everything out, and let's pull. Let's create. Let's create these view, these views or these this metadata layer, these tables in Cognos, and let's pull the data in, and it gets updated dynamically. And we create these reports. We've done this, right? Um, my way is well, we can do the same thing. We can pull the data in. We can prepare it in a in a warehouse type atmos- um, environment, and they can still pull it in with Access with Excel, and create the reports. Now, do they have to create the reports every week? No, because the reports that you created are on top of this warehouse, which is getting updated every day. So it's not about that metadata layer. It's about the data being updated, populated, populated to your Man- solution. Not manually. Right. Not manually. And it's not I'm really thinking, about any metadata layer no, at all, is it? it's not about yeah. that. So I, I get it. I see that. And, and I'm thinking, man, you know, this guy here, he's got all his, his, all his web analytics and all set up. And now it's working in Cognos. He's great. He doesn't have to update it. And he used to make a ton of mistakes. Plus, he had a problem with historical alignment because the data would change. The historical data would change. But when he took snapshots every week, his historical data and reports didn't change. Now it's doing it automatically. And I look at the solution. I go, well, I could have saved. Well, I don't want to save this. I could say it could have been done a lot easier and more eloquently. Just maybe recreating his reports but pointing them to a data warehouse. So... Do you know how I got into business intelligence? Aside from you hiring me in 2005, before that, I mean. 
Yeah, how'd you do it? Oh. No, no, where, where, where okay. Um, so I went to work for one of the top automotive companies, and at that time, Cognos 8 wasn't out, um, and they realized that they needed reports um, that Cognos could not do. And then at that time, it would be impromptu, right? Which was a ugh. they wanted all. I think they wanted okay. all these prompts. As much as, as much as impromptu was a bad product, I still think it's better than Report Studio. <laughs> In uh, terms of being able to to pre- do precision layouts, yeah, because Report Studio that they brag about being pixel perfect is not it's not the most accurate statement, right? Uh, right, and that's as far as I will say about that. But so I actually um, because I was not I did not have BI background. I came more from a web development background. I took I w- took the approach because they hired me to create. Um, Reports in Excel. Right. Right. And these reports were being sent to all of the dealers um, in English and French um, that they would download off the website. Direct Excel. Because Excel has has very... BI companies like to knock Excel because it's very, you know, it's a sloppy thing. But Excel can do pixel-perfect reporting. It has a programming language behind it, which is what I did, Visual Basic for Applications. And uh, it has better charting <laughs> than Cocktails. Okay. So what I did was I wrote these, I wrote a Visual Basic application behind the scenes in, in Excel that would take an ODBC connection. Well, actually, it, it, the, it wasn't Excel that were sent to the dealers. It was actually PDF. So I wrote an application behind the scenes, like the people who... Nobody actually ever used Excel, so it would run on a scheduled job. So my application would connect to their data warehouse, pull all the data it needed, do most of the math in Excel, um, generate a PDF, uh, and that was tricky because of licensing with Adobe and stuff um, because there's no built-in. This is like 2003, I think. There's no built-in functionality for that, so I had to cheat. and then dump it to a shared directory by FTP, I think. So I actually had to write an FTP module in VBA uh, that pushed it to a central location where the dealers would then be able to download these PDFs. Right. Right. And that was a very effective solution um, that didn't require any framework manager stuff. It was doing direct queries against the database. We validated the output against what it was supposed to be and it was right and stuff. Like I've done all sorts of bizarre stuff in Excel that most people, Excel users have never done. Like I had to write this one thing. It's a tool of choice, right? A lot Um, of people use it. There's like a, I don't know, I'm going to get really nerdy here. There. In some cases, um, I think I had to do a zip or something, right? And uh, because one of the Excel solutions I wrote had to be put on multiple computers and they didn't want to put a DLL um, on a share, I actually, <laughs> I cheat. I wrote this function that that base64 uh, a binary file, which is a DLL. Base64 basically converts uh, a binary file to text so that you can send it by email or post it to a news group. When right. you download from a news group, it, most of the files are, are encoded using y, YY encoding, which is a variant of Base64. So actually, so Base64 turns everything into standard ASCII text and is line by line. So what I cheated 
and I I encoded it. It read the DLL and encoded it in Base64 and used used a cell for <laughs> each one. Right. And then I de-encoded it, like you pressed a button and it, it wrote the DLL uh, based on that Base64 in those cells into the file. So you never had to to re-download or find the DLL on a right. share. Right. <laughs> I re- didn't all sorts of bizarre hacks to make it's, it's make flexible. usable yeah. solutions. Yeah, it's and it's it's useful. Excel and well, Office in particular. As much as people knock it for trying to be everything to everyone, there's it really has no um, peer in terms of what it can do. Because I always find myself going back to Word. Right. Because right. Word does some stuff well predictably. Whereas yeah. you get like some Word knockoff. It's not quite so predictable when. Right. When you're doing complex, yeah, you're used to it. Yeah, I'm gonna do one more story, and then we'll and move anyway, on to DBA, the DBA, which is going to be um, one of the services we offer um, to any any future BI tools. Yeah, is an amazing. I can make anything happen in VBA. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm excited um, about that. We're gonna we're gonna do it. And Access and and Excel get a bad rep, but you know, uh, to any perspective, so, uh, business intelligence customers out there, if you don't want a, a web based tool and you just want your your employees to do something in access. Um, we Connect can it to your database. we can make it nicer yeah. than most of the other consultants out there. Yeah. One more story on, on Excel, and then we're going to move on. Quick. Yes. I'm going to quit. So we had a subscription. Uh, we were using Cognos. We were selling it like on, on a web type subscription. We had oh that, yeah yeah that agreement with it was Cognos. Acumetrics.net. Yeah, that's yes. right. So people go on and do Cognos reports online, and <laughs> so we had to do a monthly um, subscription report back to the Cognos people and to tell mm-hmm. them how much money we made and so what we did is we pulled the data we got really fancy we used a cognos report to generate this report and we sent this report to cognos so with a cognos report the the sales guy gets back to me or the person who's the yeah, account the person guy who's collecting your money yeah collecting our money says can you uh here's a form in excel can you repopulate it in excel <laughs> <laughs> i said uh, what i said we're using cognos you guys are cognos we're using cognos report to, to email it to you nicely no, can you But you know what you could do to do. You know what you could have done to do that. Pentaho. Pentaho will inject um, yes. values into an Excel spreadsheet. Pentaho is that's a whole different. <laughs> but then stuff. you'd have to tell them, "Oh, we're not using your tool to inject this stuff. We're using. Co- we're not because you wouldn't even. You know need what Cognos they would say? They'd say, "Yeah, that's okay because we don't use a tool ourselves." Yeah, anyway. yeah. That's a problem with most business intelligence tools is they're developed by people who don't have a need to use the tool themselves. Yeah. And designed by people who don't have a need to use the tools themselves, which is why the tools are not always yep. um, optimal right. for many real-world use cases. Yeah, it's true. Well, we'll end on that note. Um, you know, we can bash all day. So uh, what we'll do is let's move on to the picks of the week. Uh, I'll go first. I saw something. Um, it's the Sony 4K Ultra Short Throw Projector. I thought it was... Does it use lasers? Uh, I have no idea. But you know what this reminds me of? If you ever watch a hockey ga- a football game, or a soccer game on the end zones, you see the looks like a sign, or even a basketball game, it looks like a little A-frame sign that they and they go when they step on it. But I think this works the same way. So what it is is a projector. You put it right at the base of your wall, and it projects it up onto the wall, and it it can project to a size of I think of 140 inches. Yes. 147 inch, and it's a 4K screen. So yes. in the old days, you'd have to put the screen. So it's 1920 times two, so it's 3840 by 2160. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, so eight megapixels roughly. Yeah, and and the traditional projectors, you'd have to put them on the wall behind you, and it would. And shoot. the fans are noisy on right. those suckers. 
so I'm looking at this thing, and and you know it's and it's 4K. So uh, not the price. 4K no. resolution. 4K, 4K resolution. 4K, right. 4,000 pixels horizontal. I'm thinking the price is crazy high. Uh, a friend of mine sent me the link to that a while ago, and the price was pretty yeah significant. But I like the technology. I think it's I think it's the next generation of projectors. Um, super cool. I don't know what what it looks like. But if it I looks, don't know like how how would it do it? How could it actually do? You know, if it's at the base. Oh, because there's it. Well. Um, the problem with short throw like that, the way it is, because it's projecting from the floor up to the wall, was is usually keystoning. Um, but I know um, that's what, the reason why I asked you if it was using lasers is because laser projectors uh, don't need focusing. Right. 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 That's why. Uh, um, and uh, they you would be able to avoid keystoning, possibly. I'm thinking more easily with a laser than a standard. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, it, you know it, it probably has has uh, len- lenses or micro lenses yeah. that, that ac- accommodate for that angle that they're projecting from. It's a it's a beautiful, it's very sleek, beautiful looking. It looks design. like a console. Yeah, yeah. So and and I th- I think it's you know it was one of those gadgets you see at uh, at CES Computer uh, Electronics Show in Vegas that they they put out. So and I heard it was one of the talk of the uh, anyway. Um, that's my pick of the week. Um, when I'm just going to keep my eye on that because it might be one of my, my toys that I pick up in the future. Or, <laughs> you know, it might be good for offices too. You I don't personally, want that you know what? I still personally prefer a flat screen TV. Do you? Because yeah. um, the thing with projectors is you need to dim the room. And yeah. uh, most LCD TVs can, hand, you know, like the best ones today can be put in a very bright room. Uh, you don't have to replace bulbs. Uh, right. If you have a, a metal halide bulb uh, based projector, which is the most common type, those bulbs cost as much as the projector themselves. Right. Um, you know what and they do? Those bulbs cost as much as a large screen I'll TV. Move back when they can do a um, a TV that's 130 inches, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So uh, when that day comes up, uh, well, I'll I mean, get rid of my projector. Well, that projector will probably cost more than a um, 100 inch 4K TV panel. Yeah, because uh, the four K the four K panels are around twelve fifteen grand. Yeah. I bet you that projector costs more than that. Yeah, for the same size screen and resolution, and you would get better picture quality from the panel. So, yeah. anyway, um, that's okay. just a uh, a nerdy home theater thing. <laughs> um, moon and you have two of them. Moon and F flux. Yeah, it's my full moon. Um, moom. Oh, M- moom. So Moom stands for Move and Zoom. It's a, a $10 app from a small software company. For It's for the Mac. Um, it basically allows you to resize windows very easily. The If you're familiar with the Mac, there's a set of horizontal traffic light colored buttons at the top of the window. And the behavior of those, unlike in Windows, is very inconsistent. And I don't know. Like Mac fans like to talk about how Apple sweats the details. They didn't really sweat the details very well. <laughs> on these window buttons. Right. But right. Uh, when you hover over the green button, it lets you um, do some very advanced resizing. I'll tell you, one of the things I hate about Windows since 7 was the drag and hold on the side of the window to make it 50% width. Like, that's the first thing I turn off in Windows. Yeah, right. Um, but, the, but Moom lets you do that by choice, which is a lot better than having, like, default behavior when you drag and hold a window at the side of the screen. And it also lets you create lets you um, create custom size a window 
in the same way that uh, if you've ever created a table in Word where there's the boxes and you yeah, just you drag, can drag, the little you can plus drag, sign. drag it to to fit the proportions you want yeah. on the screen. And if you're a multi-screen user like me and you're trying to put uh, a debug window on one side and the browser on the other and you want them sized perfectly, Moom lets you do it very easily. It's a little expensive for what it does at 10 bucks, but for someone like me, it'll pay itself off. Right. For someone else, it may not. But uh, if you're like a hardcore window move like I you see you've seen me I usually yeah. have 20 30 windows on my you always screens. have them nice and line too and stuff so. no I don't um but <laughs> I have too many Better windows I, do, I suffer from too many you're you you're good at you always close your windows I leave all my windows open right so I have usually too many windows open and something like that is usually a godsend so yeah. okay um, I'll check it so out that's too. application number one the second one is cross-platform and free and it's a app called Flux. Uh, which is available for, I think it's, I know it's available for Mac and I know it's available for Windows. It's sort of available for Linux too, I think. And um, I've only been, people have been like pushing this app everywhere as like one of the, the apps you need to download. Right. And I'd been avoiding it for a long time. You know, Lifehacker, it's always on Lifehacker. So what it does is um, they say that scientifically speaking, um, certain light colors affect us differently at certain times. And computer screens are usually tuned to be the same color as sunlight. Oh, I've, yeah, right? I've heard so of So if you're looking at blue light uh, later in the evening, it's going to affect your ability to sleep. Right, right. And apparently it's um, on phones will actually have more of an impact than you uh, than a TV or computer screen, I guess because of the proximity yeah. to your face. Um, so what... Flex does is it adjusts the color temperature of your screen depending on the time of day. That's so during when this and it knows where you are, right? So you it actually gets your location, and I think it pulls down the sunrise and sunset times. And when the sun sets, it adjusts the color of your screen to match the inside lighting of your house, and you can determine whether it's fluorescent. So it's based on time, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay, so, cool. um, so that at, if you're working late to 11 p.m., you're not looking at blue light. You're looking at more of a, right. a warmer colored light. Um, and you can turn it off if you're if you do the, like graphic design because graphic design and photographers need color precision. Right. Right. right? So, but um, for normal use like surfing, it prevents you from staring at blue light. For extensive periods of time, it takes first few days you use it takes getting used to. Um, I find myself turning it off periodically at the borderline times between six and eight. I'm sometimes turning it off for an hour, but uh, it's an interesting app. Um, you really notice a difference when it? Oh, you, you oh yeah, you you will see it. Um, I have it on both my Windows and Mac machines that I use. Um, you can there are some paid alternatives on. Android, um, on Android, there's an app called Lux. It's four bucks, I think. Um, there might be something for iOS, but you may have to jailbreak it because iOS is kind of a closed right, ecosystem. Right. Um, but if you use c- computer a lot like me, I think it's worth trying. I don't know that it's the best thing since sliced bread, and I don't know that it's improved my sleeping habits, but uh, when you use it and then you switch it back to blue um 
after dark, the blue looks really weird. Yeah. It, but yet, when you're in the daytime, it looks fine. And when you switch it to like a warmer temperature in the daytime, that looks really weird <laughs> too. So I'm thinking it's kind of, it, it must kind of work. It's got to depend also whether, like, if you're working in a dark room all the time, it doesn't really. Yeah. You could, you could set it to one setting, couldn't you? Or, um, or does it well, depend you on? Just the, don't use the app. Right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, um, if you do suffer from seasonal affective disorder, it does mean you need more blue light. Yeah. So it may not At be good for... At this time of the year, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's so, so it's not good for people with with SAD. But um, for normal people, I think it, it, it might actually... It, 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 it is less jarring on your eyes, actually. Right, right. It, it, it's really subtle, but uh, if you see the transition fast, because actually um, when the t- time threshold for sunset happens... Uh, it takes a five, a two seconds maybe to do the transition, so you see it right away. The color change, you're like, oh, that's that's weird. I think yeah. you can turn it off and adjust how long it takes. But um, it's a, it's an interesting app and worth checking out if you use a computer a lot. Okay. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah, I always like free. You know me. The Moom, I might have to bust it open for ten bucks, but. Uh, Anyway, that's a wrap for this uh, for this week, and we'll be back, I guess, in two weeks. So, yeah. oh, you're gonna wrap. <laughs> so, my name uh, is Varnak, and I like to sparnak. <laughs> yeah, and I'm you not a clone what? of the Karnak from someday, Johnny Carson. Someday I'm gonna regret all this crazy stuff we're doing, all this quirky, <laughs> dumb. You know what? That's all right. You know we're having fun. So, anyway, that's it. For more information on Assign It to Me. You can visit our website at assignittome.com or our blog at blog.assignittome.com. If you have any questions regarding this show or the Assign It To Me app, feel free to contact me at vince at assignittome.com. Thanks for listening.